Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover the personal journeys behind their work. Explore options from indie to traditional publishing and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing and so glad to be here. I'm your host, Catherine Taylor, and we're coming to you live from Grand Falls, Windsor, Newfoundland, Canada. Wherever you're watching from, let us know. We love to hear about all of that and um, let us know if you're enjoying the show. Let's Get Writing is about the writing process and it appeals to writers, to aspiring writers, publishers, readers, fans, anyone who loves the written word. This is a show for you and we hope that we can bring you the stories behind the stories and that you'll enjoy our guests. And if you've missed shows, you can pick them up on YouTube and they're under Catherine Taylor TV and also available on most podcast channels as Let's Get Writing. Now on to my guest. My guest today has published her first novel with a second one following on the heels of that this summer. She describes herself as a novelist, a freelance journalist, a columnist, outdoor enthusiast, and aspiring amateur naturalist. Hmm, it's quite a few things. <laughs> Her first novel, Supermarket Baby, and actually I have a copy of it here. Um, this, um, <laughs> losing my train of thought, this was the winner of the 2019 Percy James First Novel Award, and it was published by Flanker Press. And she also has a young adult novel called The Degrees of Barley Lick, and that is being published by Running the Goat Books and Broadsides, and they're in Torres Cove, Newfoundland. And she's currently working on her third novel, so she's a busy lady. That's going to be called Digital Detox, set in Battle Harbor, Labrador. Wow. I want you to meet her. I'm sure you want to meet her. I'm just going to bring her up in the screen and welcome Susan Flanagan to Let's Get Writing. And hopefully Susan comes up. There she is. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'd love you? to be there right in your studio with you, but it's a minor problem in today's world. So I'm happy to be with you virtually. And that's where the show was often shot in the studio. And then when things changed back almost a year ago, I decided to jump online and just go for it. And um, been a lot of learning, but it's been great because, Susan, I've been able to interview guests who aren't in the central Newfoundland area, such as yourself. You're out yeah. there in St. John's. A lot of good things have come out of COVID, and that's one of them. People who are in more isolated areas are suddenly able to participate in things that they were cut off from before. Exactly. Now, you, I mean, guests on my show are often writing one book, but here you are. You've got two coming out and a third one in the works. How did this whole adventure in writing begin for you? Because it's obviously a huge part of your life. I think it started way back when I was at Mary Queen of Peace in grade school. And in 1979, in honor of the International Year of the Child, it was the Library Association in Newfoundland and Labrador. They put out this little book called My Inside Self. 
and my one of my teachers submitted a story I had written and it got published in my inside self and I think that always stayed with me so seeing my name in print and just realizing the power of the word and that I could create something in my head and it could be shared with thousands of other people it I, I swear that that step led to me applying to journalism school much later. You know, I've often discussed how important it is that we get the arts and get writing into schools for, for the younger generation to be reading and, and to be having the feel of the written word. Because so often you hear things nowadays that, oh, well, they can't write. They, you know, they can't put a sentence together. I don't think it's entirely true. If you've been given the love of literature as a young person, I don't know, your education will just take over on its own. If you're reading and learning, well, you have five children. We haven't mentioned that yet. So no. you're more of an authority on this than me. What's your take on this? What do you think? We certainly read a lot with all our children, but my mother also really encouraged reading. She's 92 and she grew up in Western Bay in Conception Bay North in Newfoundland. And books were so precious that if one came in, she was born in 1929, it will be shared throughout the community. And they, like she remembers the day radio came to her house. So books were everything. That was your escape into the world. And so I tried to pass that on to our children. And my husband is of the same mind. So we spent a lot of time reading out loud. I remember when Harry Potter first came out, we called uh, Hermione, Hermione. And my husband was born in Northern England and his mother came to visit and she read them chapter. And she said, Hermione. And we said, what? <laughs> we thought it was Hermione for months as we read that first book. Oh my funny. goodness. But you know, when I grew up in, in my home, there was um, a bookshelf, a in one room, it was just a huge bookshelf, and it was filled with all kinds of books, classic literature, the books of Newfoundland, um, you name it. And I mean, I just spent days just in there looking at them and pulling out different anthologies in, in reading. So once you kind of get that into your heart, it's hard to ever let go of it. And, and I think it's one of the best gifts we can give to our We had uh, the Funkin' Wagnalls encyclopedia set and I actually not read my way but certainly looked at every picture and I remember looking at the insects and flipping the pages quickly and sometimes one of the Funkin Wagnalls you know maybe uh M&N went missing and oh we'd be on just the warpath trying to find it because that's what we use for all our school reports and things yeah but Those now I have I have floor to ceiling bookcases and I have my books alphabetized. And sometimes I will read a book someone has loaned me, but if I enjoy the book, I have to possess it. So I'll go buy it and support the author and put it on my shelf because I really love good books. Yeah, they take up a lot of real estate, but great real estate to have in your house. Yeah. It honestly is. I'm, I'm the same way. And I share books back and forth with some of, of my friends. But, you know, there's just certain books you just have to own. And that's all there yeah. is to it. And speaking yeah. of certain books, which you might want to own, let's talk about, uh, let me bring this one up. And Supermarket Baby, it's got, it's, I kind of have your face cut off a little bit there. That's okay. I'll move over. Jig a little to the <laughs> right. <laughs> 
So yes, supermarket baby. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how this book came to be born. Well, interestingly enough, it came, the whole story originated from this postcard. Can you see that? Yeah. So Geist magazine had a contest and they were asking people to write a 500 word story based upon the, the image on a postcard, any postcard you, you choose. And I chose this one. And this lady with her Ford LTD covered in trinkets, I wrote the story. I didn't win the contest, but Dolores, this woman, stayed in my mind. And she never left me. And she would wake me up at night. And she demanded to be let out and introduced to the world. So Supermarket Baby originated with Dolores. But as I started writing and she met Henry, it became Henry's story which is interesting because you don't really have control over your characters. They, they do things that you don't anticipate and you just have to go with them. Sometimes you can try and rein them in, but it's no good because then you're changing the course of the story that some other power has in mind. Well, I love to hear you say that because that's been my experience too. And I think most authors will say that once you create these characters, they become very real they have their personalities and there are just things that they're just not going to do no matter what you think. It's strange yeah. how that happens, how the story kind of evolves around characters. And, and do you, do your characters become real to you? Do they become like you, you know them, you don't like to see the book end? <laughs> they're definitely real. And this current book I'm working on the digital detox, it's about these people who go to Battle Harbor, Labrador, which is an island off the coast to get away from any digital media, but mainly social media. And there at one point I was writing and I got stuck with the plot. And I had done a workshop. And this particular last one, was by Sharon Bala, but many people have reiterated the same point. If you get stuck in the plot, it means that you don't know your characters well enough. So you have to go back and look at their backstory and let them talk to you because then at whatever stage in the plot you've arrived at, their decision will be obvious. Very so interesting. I, 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 like, I like that idea. I've never thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, having yeah. said that, so do you yeah, do, go back and really know them? Yeah, do you do character descriptions for your story? How do you approach writing a book? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, we seem to be frozen up there a little bit. See if we can bring Susan back because I can't tell what she can tell about the writing of her books. Hello. Oh, there I'm you are. Oh, good, good. You had frozen on me and I wasn't sure what you were saying. Oh, because you're frozen on me. So we'll blame it on the weather, although it is. Yeah, you're all good now, though. We're all good. So what I had asked you is, um, do you, you know, when you go about approaching writing a book, what is that process like? Do you do character descriptions first? Do you do an outline? How is writing a book for you? Um, the story will generally come to me, you know, the, the vague outline of the story. And so in the case of Supermarket Baby, I knew that Henry Puddister was going to go to the supermarket. I knew that he went for eggs. I knew he was ill-equipped to deal with parenting because he came to it late in life. I knew that a simple task like going to the supermarket was almost too much for him. 
And at, at that point, I just thought, okay, he's going to do the supermarket switch, which I've done many times. You know, I've, I'm the main supermarket shopper in our house. And so many times I've taken someone else's cart by mistake. But I thought, what would be the most interesting or worst thing Henry could find in a supermarket cart that he's taken by mistake? And I thought, oh, what about if he took someone else's baby? Mm. And that's where his story started to blend in with Dolores's. So then I did have to go back and look at Henry's backstory and the his backstory with Millie. I was asked why Millie, this intelligent, strong woman, would be with Henry, who mm -hmm. is a bit scatterbrained. But uh, I, I went back and looked at how they met and they were, Millie just believed they were meant for each other. And opposites often attract and people can be compatible even though they're very different. Mm. And they are very different. There was even one point where I thought that maybe that they only have one child, which they had late in life. And I was almost wondering, hmm, I wonder if that's actually, you know, their child. Or, you know, you kind of, I don't know if you planted <laughs> that in there or not, but I had that thought at one point. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. No, Dash is theirs. Yeah, he yep. is. It came out, but it was when it was uh, talking about the vasectomy and all this. And I think, hmm, God, it wouldn't be Frank, would it? <laughs> no, no, no. So Millie would never have time for Frank. He, she appreciates him as a neighbor, but she could never live with him. She'd have him killed. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But, um, and for people who haven't yet read the book, as we talk about this, I'm sure you're wondering, huh? What? Who? <laughs> Sounds like Carnic. So Frank, Carnic yes, Frank lives next door to uh, Henry and Millie and he brews beer in his shed and Frank and Henry need each other. So yeah, the stresses do. in their lives are relieved just by voicing them to each other. Yeah. And they, they can just go back in the shed, sit back and have a beer on tap. And uh, they, they let it all out. And even if one is really suffering just by hearing the other one's problems, they feel relieved. And, you know, I think there are a lot of sheds here in this province that are probably yeah. serving the same role. Susan, I also noticed in the back of your book, you you actually did a um, a playlist for Dolores, which was kind of yeah. fun, the, the songs, and questions and topics for book club discussion. I don't always see that in books. I mean, I'm familiar that some books do include that. So what, what about, what? how did that come to you? Why? So music is very important to Dolores. So Dolores, uh, at first glance, she's this fluffy character who drives her Ford LTD all across the country and it's covered in 4,000 trinkets and she sleeps at the Walmart parking lots. But deep down, Dolores has had a troubled past. Her name even means pain. And in the past, she has uh, seen a therapist who has encouraged her to come up with a way to deal with stress. And what she does is she listens to music. She has recorded cassette tapes still mm -hmm. in her Ford LTD from 1983. Every time a song comes on, she says the singer's name, uh, the album's name, and the year it came out, and the name of the song as well. And it's a tick that she has. So if you first met her and there was music playing, she would say this and you'd say, oh my, that's very, very strange. So because that's such a strong part of her personality in the book, I decided to include her playlist 
at the end, which is very, oh, you know, 1970s classic mm. rock. Yeah, I have to have a look at that, King. <laughs> yeah. You're right. But and then was... the uh, book club questions. I've yeah. been a member of a book club, the Red Hots, for, uh, I guess it must be over 20 years now. And we always enjoy good, thoughtful questions, although sometimes we just sit around and gossip. But it's uh, it's good to get a book with suggested questions in the back because they may suggest something that you hadn't thought about, the author might. But sometimes people suggest things that you hadn't thought about, the author, I mean. So like you suggesting that maybe Dash wasn't Henry mm -hmm. and Millie's child, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, and I think that that's a little breadcrumb from real life there too about how the uh, vasectomy failed. <laughs> well, in am my I case, right? With yes. those, you had four kids, and then later in life, another another. We have four kids in five years, yeah. and then nine years later, after the vasectomy, we had another child. So, the the medical wonder worked for nine years, but then a tunnel grew around the scar tissue and those determined little beasts pushed their way through. And now you lo and behold, <laughs> I got pregnant and they called my husband Sure Shot Flanagan. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting in writing how certain experiences in your life in some ways can come through. And it's because it's what you know and it makes sense and it is possible. But that was the reason why I thought that maybe he wasn't the father. And uh, <laughs> well, my husband is the father <laughs> of our fifth child. I'm not going this there. Good. I'm definitely no. uh, good to know. <laughs> he came out looking exactly like the other ones. I told him at the time, I said, if anyone were to be pregnant or deserve to be pregnant at this stage in our lives, it would be him because he was doing his MBA in Vancouver. And every second weekend, he would go to the Delta in downtown Vancouver with other corporate MBA students who had left their families behind to spend the weekend at the hotel, whereas I was home With. shuffling four little children to the hockey rink or to dance. And I thought if I did get pregnant, it was in a hockey rink. <laughs> the things we do bringing up families and so on, but we make yeah. it work in amongst all that you've been doing so much writing. I want to talk about, um, I'm actually going to bring both of these up in the stream. I want to talk about your other book, which is a young adult novel, The, the Degrees of Barley Lick, which is coming out this summer. Um, being a mom of so many children, <laughs> you certainly had a lot of uh, ability to write a book in this age group, I'm sure. But tell us a little bit about that. It was actually written quite some time ago. Yes. So in 2004, we moved to British Columbia and we were in Surrey, just east of Vancouver in a town called Cloverdale, which is the setting of this, the degrees of Barley Lick novel. So at the time, my husband moved out to for his job with CHD helicopters because they had moved their head office out there. But I had to leave my work in St. John's behind. So when I went out, I thought, I'm going to write a book. So I found a writer's group right away. We met once a week. It kept me on track because I need a new chapter each week. And over the course of those three years in British Columbia, I wrote a novel set in British Columbia. Just before we came home, that's when I got pregnant on that surprise child. And the book, the physical copies of the book went into a file box down in the basement. The electronic copies were shoved away on an external hard drive. And it wasn't until November 2019 
when I met Marnie Parsons at Running the Go Books and Broadsides for the first time, God bless Marnie's cotton socks, she <laughs> said, do you have anything young adult? I had just pitched Supermarket Baby at a Pitch the Publisher event put off by the Writers Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador. So when Marnie said that, I said, why, yes, I do. I do have a young adult novel. And she asked to see it. And I had to take it out and brush it off and even choose which version I would send her because I had three distinct versions. And we decided on the third person past tense. And when I sent it to her, she said she would like to publish it. And we worked on a contract right away. So that's due out this August, and hopefully we'll launch it on International Geocaching Day on August 21st. There you go. And so therefore, writers, never, never lose track of things you've written in the past because they can always no. be brought forward. It doesn't, it's, writing a book is not an immediate experience. Some people do write them quickly, but some people take, take time to do it. And even material you've written before is always relevant. You can update things. It was amazing. I have one that I wrote and it was my first one and looking back I cringe because the plot uh, is so bad and some of the writing so bad but the story premise really still intrigues me and that one's a, it's set in 1996 at the time that the Hibernia gravity-based structure comes on stream and it involves a fisherman here in Kitty Vitty and um, a guy who comes from England to work on the GBS. Wow. Well, good, good to know that things never go stale. And it is when you get a good idea, you kind of hang on to it. Susan, you mentioned about the pitch. And that's how all a lot of this came about. You are quite involved in the Writers Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador. And I say quite because you told me you are, you are now, I think, in charge of the board or president of the board. Or how. Tell us a little bit about that role, because I think it does keep you quite busy. It does keep me busy, unexpectedly so, but uh, I've been president of the board of the Writers Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador since November, and I'm very honored and privileged to hold that title. We have an excellent board and uh, an excellent executive director and um, lots of others who keep, keep writers in Newfoundland in the know and up to date and offer all sorts of workshops and ask me anything and we even have um oh we have all sorts of contests it's amazing so i've been a member of wanl the writers alliance of newfoundland and labrador since before they started keeping records of their <laughs> their members so right now we have about 300 plus members. We'd love to see more because I think a lot of people don't know the services that we offer. So we have a mentorship program. So you could apply and you don't need to be a first time novelist, but you could apply to mentor with a, someone more experienced in their writing career. And you would work with that person and Wannell pays the first chunk or that, no, that program, they pay the whole thing. There's a second program mm -hmm. where you can have your manuscript evaluated and Ronald will pay up to the first $125 of that manuscript evaluation. So I've availed of that several times and I can write thinking I've written a brilliant manuscript and then I pass it over to someone with fresh eyes who's more distanced from it 
and they will make the best observations. Mm -hmm. There's mistakes that I incorporate into my writing that I never imagined, but it all comes out very simply and easily as soon as another set, set of eyes see it. So Wanel provides that. We have a master class coming up, a four-hour master class on writing. Uh, just in March alone, we have 10 major events. And to join Wanel is $55 a year and mm -hmm. cheaper if you're a senior, a student, or unemployed. And the, uh, the number of, of events that we put off it's incredible. Best investment someone can make to, to have yeah. that network in that family. And where we are in a province like this, where everybody is spread out and we're not always near and close to a center, to have access to this sort of support is totally amazing. Yeah. So thank you so much to Wanel for everything that you're doing for. Yes. And if you sign on to their social media, Wendy in the office, she keeps everything so up to date. And it even one event will be worth your year membership. Mm -hmm. Well, I can see why you're really incredible. Board. <laughs> you do a good <laughs> job presenting the ideas. I have a few more photographs here that I want to share with people and uh, up in the stream. And you can tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. Please make it, bueno, here we go. Let's try this one. There we go. And we'll hide this one. And here we go. So it looks like you're busy signing books. <laughs> is this, yeah. Yeah. Are these so your the one behind you? The one with the right shirt or the red shirt. That was um, when things had just shut down uh, with the pandemic the first time. So Marnie had sent me the contract and I had to, to sign it and send it back to her. So I signed it in front of my bookshelf and it was a very exciting day. We celebrated. And you can see um, there's a book on the shelf alone a dark book mm -hmm. yeah. next to a, a crystal skull vodka <laughs> um, <laughs> that is the first version of supermarket baby that my second son liam bound for me for christmas in 2019 so he had the book bound he had my other children write notes about sections of the book that were sort of based upon them because it's obvious that some of it is based upon my own children and i opened it and i burst into tears i imagine you did that was so a I, thoughtful gift i was very moved yeah and over here on the other one on the the left it's your supermarket baby book yes so i actually was able to go into um flanker's offices in person and sign that contract so that was really fun. But that's in front of the same bookshelf with Supermarket Baby. So uh, when I signed Supermarket Baby, I don't know if you can see up right here behind me on the yeah. shelf, there's a little round red man. Well, his name is Daluma. And I lived in Japan for two years. And Daluma is a person who meditated for nine years and he wanted to attain enlightenment, which he did do, but in the course of his meditation, he lost his arms and legs. So he's sort of like a weevil, you know, weevils wobble and they can't fall down. And he's representative of the country of Japan and their resilience. So in times of war or natural disaster, they always bounce back on their feet. So people in Japan have a daluma and his eyes are just white. And when you have something that you really want to achieve, you color in one of Daluma's eyes. 
but you leave the other eye white until you achieve that. So when I turned 50, I decided this is it. I want to have one of my novels published and I worked really hard at getting the, the manuscripts in front of publishers. And so when I went into Wannell's offices and signed, and, or I went in when they got the cases of books from the printer and started signing them, I took out Dalama and I colored in his other eye. They thought I was crazy, but it meant a lot to me to actually have one of my novel manuscripts printed and ready for sale. Mm. Very proud. Yep. And you hit upon something there. I think a lot of authors feel the same way when they experience that. And um, I'm trying to just hide these and they don't want to hide. There we go. And we're back to us. Well, we're out of time on this interview. I could talk to you much longer, and I will, because we're going to come back very quickly, and you're going to do some reading for us. But for this segment, we're going to sign off. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your experiences and taking the time today to, to let us in a little on your journey as, a, as an author. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm honored to have been here. It was really fun, Catherine. Well, we'll do it again, because I think there were so many things. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. I'll see you in a moment. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. If you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.